on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Well, he's half right. We are at Bailiwick here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino talking Runner Rebel basketball at the Kevin Kruger Radio Show as the Runner Rebels have won four straight, including a big win up at Reno the other night on Tuesday night and will now turn their attention to their final two home games of the season. Hard to believe we have flown by that quickly as uh, the Rebels will host Boise State on Saturday, and then Wyoming, our first and only look in the regular season at the Cowboys next Wednesday before the Runner Rebels finish the season on the road down in Albuquerque a week from Saturday. Uh, John Sandler with you, joined by head coach Kevin Kruger. And, and coach, uh, uh, just a little perspective. You know, you, when you took the job uh, last uh, April-ish, uh, you, you understand as well as anybody kind of what the process is and, and putting everything together and then watching it grow. Uh, Given the fact that you're 17 and 11, given the fact that you're nine and six in conference, uh, give us kind of an assessment of of how pleased you are, or, or or what you think is is going on with this Runner Rebel program as we head into the final three regular season games. Uh, I'd say I'm incredibly pleased. Uh, I think this, these last few weeks, even this last month, the city, uh, kind of the, the the fans, they've they've gotten a chance to see what we saw as a staff when we were putting this team together. Um, the, we got a, bitten by a little bit of an injury bug, uh, and we just couldn't quite get our feet underneath us there to, to start the year. And but these last few weeks, I, I think uh, you know we've had a great kind of connection. The guys have been working incredibly hard, playing hard, having fun. And uh, so I think that you know if you, if you were to ask if we were happy with where we're at, uh, there's no doubt. Of course, we'd, we'd love to be 28-0 at this point, but. With everything that the guys have gone through, and, and from you mentioned that day in, in March that we started, where we had one player who wasn't in the portal, uh, I think uh, you, you know once we take a deep breath and the season's over, I think we'll look back and, and say we're we're pleased. Hopefully, we're we're happy, depending on kind of how we finish. Uh, let, let, let's hope so. Curtis will join us here in just a few minutes, I'm sure. Steve Cofield will be on and be along uh, a little bit after that, I would imagine as he's just finished his show. But uh, we're going we're gonna to spend some time talking about the last two games, the, the, the completion of two of the three sweeps the Rebels have in conference play this year. They finished up with a sweep of Colorado State with the big win on Robert Smith Day at the Thomas and Mack, and then uh, the sweep of Reno, first time in uh, about nine years that the Rebels have done that with the win up at Lawler on Tuesday night. Uh, it, it, but, but from a global standpoint, from a, kind of an overarching standpoint, I've kind of watched it, you know, maybe closer than some others, but this team get better and better and be able to to take what you guys have talked about from the beginning, about defense, about the, the principles on the defensive end and the things you want them to do, and put them into action to allow you and your coaches, who have done such an amazing job, and we'll talk about that as well, to, to elevate what you're teaching them. Not only, you know, the, the, the basic things you want, but because these guys have taken it so well, you've been able to add to it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've talked from day one. Our, our primary concern as a staff with this group in this season was would we have enough time together? And and I think, you know, the, the, because these, this group, they like each other. Uh, you know, we 
with the exception of Jordan McCabe and Mike Nuga, we had some sort of, of relationship uh, and, and knowledge of every, all seven others that we brought out of the portal. So we knew what they were like as people. We had recruited uh, Donovan and Royce when, uh, we, when we were at Oklahoma. We brought Vic from Oklahoma, of course. Uh, uh, you know, George, David coming from Lamar, Jordan, uh, or I'm sorry, Justin, Justin Webster, Webster coming yeah. from, you know, Jeff Webster being his dad who played at OU. So I had the opportunity to get to know him. So we knew it would be a group that works hard and likes each other and, and roots for each other. And our and our concern and our issue was just going to be whether or not we had enough time. But uh, like I've said, I think we're uh, the guys are gelling. They're having fun. You'll start to see they're having a lot more conversations on the court in the last month. Uh, that shows, I think, that they they understand. You know, they're in agreement with what the game plan is. They can talk back and forth. Um, they can make adjustments on the fly. They can explain what they're seeing and adapt and evolve as the game goes on. And I think those are those those kind of player driven games are the ones uh, uh, or those player driven teams. I'm sorry, are the ones that you see you know, winning at the end of February and in March. Yeah, you just mentioned Mike Nugent not having the relationship with him before the year and, and not enough time. That, that takes about five minutes. Yeah, You know, exactly. after yeah, spending with Mike, you feel like you've known him forever. And absolutely. if you didn't, you know somebody like him. Well, and, and also, I mean, it, it, I, I feel the same way. We're not going to have enough time with Mike Nuga because he is so much fun to be around, and, and he, he, he brings so much joy to the basketball court. He does. and I mean, you talk about, you know, Mike. Uh, a Royce is another guy that comes to mind exactly. that, that, that immediately are all smiles when they see you. You know, there's, there's nothing that could make a, 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 they feel like they're having a great day no matter what's happened. And they're fun to be around. And as much as anything, we always talked about when we first got having pride in UNLV, uh, bringing in a group of guys that uh, the city and the alums and the fans are proud of. And no matter what happens the rest of the year, being a former player, uh, I'm, I'm going to be proud that Mike Nuga and Royce Ham. Uh, are going to be walking around saying they were rebels. Yeah, we're hoping to have Royce on the show next week, along with that guy who's making all the baskets. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Uh, Colorado State, the Rebels had done such a great job against the Rams up there. Uh, you knew that they would be ready. You watched them during pregame warmups. Uh, you know, David Roddy looked like he was going to going to war, uh, but it, it really didn't matter. And uh, I give you and your staff credit for getting the Rebels prepared kind of emotionally for that one, uh, knowing the, the onslaught that was about to hit them, and it didn't phase them one bit. Well, we, we had the luxury of, uh, with Air Force and Fresno, you know, we went into those games preparing our guys that, uh, you know, this is, hopefully you guys are a little upset and angry at, at losing those two games. And so we had an opportunity kind of for a revenge game, you know, get them back game. And uh, so having that opportunity to have those two, you know, those two days of preparation for those types of games, it, it actually kind of made it easy for us to say to the guys, all right, now you got Colorado State coming in. Now you're on the other side of the coin. They're coming in here, you know, angry. So remember what it felt like to go play Fresno, uh, to play Air Force at home, because that's exactly what they're going to be coming in here like. And at the time, just three losses. You know, so every time they had lost, they'd bounce back with a win. And, uh, you know, we knew that, they, you know, they were going to be angry, upset, uh, feel like they let one slip up in Fort Collins. And, um, and I thought that's as much as anything is what led to the guys having kind of that security and confidence after the first five minutes that things were going to go well because we came out and played really hard. You did. And, and you built a nine-point halftime lead and, and then extended it. And it turned out to be a 20-point game, 21-point game, actually, 72 to 51. But it was, it was a little bit unusual because typically in those games, there's a big run. 
you know, it's it, it might be back and forth for a little while, or a team just gets off to a great start. But there's a you know a 17 to four run at some point in the game where where the team breaks it open, and that wasn't the case. And I think it's a little bit characteristic of this runner rebel team is they sort of just kind of smothered Colorado State on the defensive end and just slowly built that lead until until the game was was over. Yeah, I think uh, you know when you go into an opponent. And you're and you're preparing for them. There's always kind of one thing that sticks out more than another. And uh, for example, Air Force. Uh, everybody here knows they run a very unique offense, and they run it till the shot clock expires if they don't have anything. And when you're playing a team like Air Force, you say no back cuts. Do not get back cut. Um, with Colorado, and we did that great when we played them here. With Colorado State, it was keep the ball in front at, at all costs. Just don't let them get around you because then you're chasing. They're passing it around to great shooters. And once you start chasing, it's like a dog chasing his tail. It's, it, there's really no winner at the end of that except Colorado State. And I thought our guys just did an unbelievable job of guarding the dribble. Uh, they did a really uh, being in help of recognizing who can beat them in what spots. And I think that's kind of what kind of really didn't let Colorado State get going because we never found ourselves chasing for three or four possessions in a row. And uh, ultimately, I mean, our defensive intensity was great for all 40 minutes. Uh, but again, if there was a game ball to go out, just like in Fort Collins, it'd be to our bigs. Uh, Royce, David, Reese, and Vic for the way they guarded Roddy because they all four guarded him. Uh, they made life difficult for him for almost every time he had the ball. And, and if you can do that, uh, I think... Uh, you know, you give yourself a chance, and that's what uh, that's about all you can ask for with a team like Colorado State. Yeah, Royce had a rough shooting night, but he had 12 rebounds in the basketball game. David had six rebounds uh, in, in just uh, 13 minutes or 14 minutes of play uh, and, and at a block. Uh, you know, Vic does what Vic does, which is just create havoc with his size and his quickness. Uh, it, it really was an impressive performance. It is. a. Uh, I, I won't give him too much credit, but somebody called Vic a Tasmanian devil <laughs> earlier today, and... You know, it's kind of true. You know, he might he might run into you. He might run over you. He might avoid you. You're not really sure. But uh, I think uh, that's one thing that gives him confidence defensively. He doesn't mind contact. He doesn't mind running into people. And uh, But he's also incredibly mobile and agile and strong. And I think that's what makes him unique in our conference is he can guard anybody. And when the games we've had him for longer stretches of time, our defensive uh, defensive efficiency has been really good. Yeah, and, and it was a game where Bryce only had 20 points. He did have... Slacking. He did have tw- 10 rebounds. Got to get rid of him. <laughs> you sit him down for a while. But Mike Nuga stepped up big. Mike had 13 points, and he had seven rebounds. And he got in there amongst the Colorado State bigs and battled and got his way to the boards. Yeah, and, and Coach Hartman is kind of the, the broken record, if you will, about guard rebounding, guard rebounding. And maybe that's because he played post in college, and he would get really annoyed if he boxed out and a guard got the rebound for the other team. So he always talks about our guards getting in there and rebounding. And, and Mike and, and Bryce had a, 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 just did a really good job of that, just not letting Colorado State get anything extra or free. Because as you mentioned with that run, you know you can't give Colorado State free points. So we did a really good job on the glass uh, that game as well. But you know th- there was a big swing in the first half that really changed the momentum and the tide of the game. And that's when Bryce found Mike for those threes right. on the left side. Um, Bryce just made a really smart uh, play. Uh, he read the read it the first time, hit Mike for an open three. The next, a few plays later, David actually came up and picked for Mike as Bryce was driving. None of that was scripted by us. That's just guys out there playing off of each other, and and that's just a great example of our guys learning each other, reading each other, kind of figuring out where they can make an impact and uh, help each other. We talk a lot about creating a 
an advantage for a teammate. And David recognizing that and doing that on the fly, it, it almost it kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit because you recognize them just kind of growing with each other. And you know, we were, I was asked about it in the post game media, and and I, I had nothing to do with it because <laughs> somebody mentioned it being a great play. Uh, we actually put it in for the Reno game, and uh, but Did you call it, was, it the David. Or? Yeah, it, it was just those guys kind of playing off each other. But Bryce making those kicks and getting Mike going was was a huge turning point in the game. One of, I don't know, three Division One coaches who might admit he had nothing to do with his successful play. I don't know. Uh, it, it, and it was, just a, it was just a tremendous performance by the Runner Rebels on a very special night. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking about it early, before the game. I was with Coach Buckley about, you know, if we lose this one, we're not going to be able to retire anybody's jersey anymore because <laughs> that would have put us with Fearless Freddie. We struggled against UCLA. Now we have Robert's jersey, two of the all-time great Rebels. We can't lose on both of them, or it's going to be a bad look. And uh, but you know, seeing Robert in the tunnel with his family was it, it, unfortunately we weren't able to enjoy the ceremony because we were back at halftime. But but seeing him with tears in his eyes and his family was was about as special as a moment this year as I've had. Yeah, it was incredible, and we all uh, we all reacted the same way, I think. But it was a great it was a great win, seventy two to fifty one. And uh, it, it allowed you to get a sweep over one of the top teams of the conference. I think Colorado State right now is third uh, in the conference. Uh, you've got the number one team in the conference coming in on Saturday. And I know you're going to want a big crowd. We'll talk about Boise State in just a little, just a little while. But we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a, a bit about that game on Tuesday. The Rebels got the sweep over Reno up at the Lawler Event Center. Fans, remember, EOS is a better gym, better price. EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV Athletics. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick. The Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger talking run Rebel basketball. Rebels getting ready for... A big game. They were winners of four straight are the Runner Rebels, and a big game against the team leading the Mountain West Conference. Rebels looking to gain the split in the season series. Boise State at the Thomas & Mack, Saturday night at 7 o'clock. It is a blackout, I believe, and all sorts of great promotions. Uh, $2 beers first half. Uh, some student's going to get a chance to win $10,000. Uh, so wear your black shirt and black uh, UNLV shirt and come on out and support this Runner Rebel team that's playing great basketball right now. CT, uh, we Hopefully, students don't take that to heart in terms of that blackout. Oh, yeah, dude. beers, right? <laughs> exactly. We don't. <laughs> we could, don't want that kind of blackout. You're absolutely right. That, that could turn ugly. Well, uh, we're talking uh, about the last week, we just uh, spent some time talking about the Runner Rebel win over Colorado State to sweep that series, and then the Rebels knew that they had to head to Reno, and they had beaten Reno in a tough game here. A game, Curtis and I, you, you and I talked about it a lot. That that. Uh, Reno was without uh, their best player in, in Sherfield, and, and they were going to try to ugly it up, and they did. Uh, Rebels uh, came away with a nine-point victory, and, and, and uh, it, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a work of art, but it was a win. And they had a chance for the win up there uh, to get the sweep. But, again, you knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, anytime you go up there, it is. And nice nice brew. Speaking of sweeps, right? <laughs> well done. Could do a little cleaning up in Reno. <laughs> Curtis brought a broom with him. But, Coach, going into that game, you, you knew that uh, that they were going to try to play a physical game. They started two seven-footers in the basketball game against the Runner Rebels, and uh, you knew it was going to be a challenge up at, at Lawler. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime you know you play Reno, it's a rivalry game. If you were at the game at the Thomas and Mac, you could hear a few fans that had their opinion on 
Reno. I only heard one fan that had a really good opinion. Well, that, I doubled yeah. down on that one. I think it might have been the same fan with the same opinion, just reworded <laughs> a few different ways. But, uh, yeah, you know it's going to be a, a, a fight. You know it's going to be a battle. Um, you know, Reno starting two seven-footers uh, with, with power five experience. And uh, I, I thought our, our first half, honestly, just to put it bluntly, I thought we kind of were sleepwalking offensively. Um, but I don't mean that as any disrespect to Reno because I thought Coleman was doing a really good job of kind of disrupting our offense and, and, and making us be stagnant. So when I say sleepwalking, you know, I just felt like we were just settling and standing too much. And, uh, and the second half came out and just seemed much more like the, the UNLV team that's been playing the last month. Well, a couple of highlights from the first half. Uh, it, it all got started with Vicky Waco getting something moving toward the basket, as he does in a hurry. Hamilton bounce pass to Nugent. He'll shoot a three from the right side. It's short. Long rebound to Iwako. Oh. Iwako underneath for the slam dunk. Man, he saw that lane open and just headed to the rim, and nothing was going to stop him. He's, he's pretty impressive. No, I'm just – you can hear, like, I'm, I'm genuinely impressed by some of the stuff that these guys do. Yeah, the whoa. Um, yeah, ooh, oh, wasn't expecting it, but definitely we'll take it every time. Yeah, we had a, we had a kind of a, a unique angle on that, and we were straight – you know, between from us to Vic to the basket. And you could see just that, that sliver of space, and he, he said, I got this. Yeah, I think you saw his athleticism. You, you've seen him move laterally and, and guard the ball, you know, but then at the end of the Colorado State game, I think with a, with a couple blocks and then his run out, that that lob dunk, I think, you know, that, that pass was, I mean, he made it look easy, but that was a long way away, and he covered a lot of ground. And he kind of did the same thing just with the dribble in Reno, but uh, it was you know, the timing of it was good because we needed that bucket. And, uh, you know, we didn't score a whole ton of them in the first half. So, uh, a good one. But you did get something that it seems you get every single first half. And here it is. Jordan having trouble getting in. Throws it all the way out top to Royce Ham. Ham left alone for a three. And he hits it. Well, he hits, he hits one early, relatively early in the game every time. Yeah, it, it seems like it's clockwork. It, sometime in the first six or seven minutes, they leave him alone at the top of the key. And Royce knocks it down. Royce, it's kind of a, it's it's a great story with Royce. You know, he comes here. He took two threes in four years at Texas, so he wanted to prove that he could shoot. So in the summer, he was shooting a lot. He was shooting early. It was a little out of rhythm just in the flow of the offense. It, they weren't bad shots, but if your teammates don't know when you're going to shoot it, it can just kind of be, uh, just kind of hard to predict and hard to get back get set defensively. And then, uh, you know, now he's shooting upwards of near 40%. He's catching the ball. His security. I mean, it's just an unbelievable kind of growth that we've seen. Because early in the year, he might shot it early. And it kind of surprised everybody. And then now he's catching it, taking a look. If he doesn't love it, he'll swing it, pick, roll, and find it later. But uh, I think that's why you said he makes one early in every game. Because he's now patient. Because he's secure and he's confident that he's going to get a look. And he's going to shoot at a pretty high clip. Yeah, when he caught the ball, Curtis and I almost looked at each other. It was like, okay, here it comes. Because it, it, it's almost you can set, but you're, say you're watched by it. It's so. like he's, he's testing the water, like dipping his toe in to see. Should I, okay, yeah, I earned myself another one. And you made a comment of he doesn't take bad ones or forced ones. Yeah. There's only one I remember. I believe we were at Boise State. Um, yep, exactly and he right. he took one that was like on the right wing, but it was like off the dribble, step back. And Kevin was like... Yeah. And he instantly was like, my Why? bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah, he, he really, as you said, Kevin, it, it's under control. It is. And, you know, we, we talk to the guys all the time about the shots that we think are good as a team. And they agree to it. 
hundred percent. And we, it's kind of uh, it, it's funny because the understanding and the agreement is that if you're going to take a shot that's out of what we have all agreed upon being a good shot, you can bet on yourself, and we have no problem with that. But that also means that if you miss it, you lose the bet on yourself. So you get to come sit over with us for a second. And, uh, but they've reacted to that well. Even when Jordan takes one that's out of maybe the rhythm or, or something that's a little what we would consider forced, they recognize it. That's why I think, as, as Curtis said, you know, they immediately look over and it's my bad. You know, we, we, we're on the same page. Please and, don't take me yeah, out. <laughs> please, I, I still want to play. I was just testing you to see if you were going to be mean. Prove it. I want to stay in. And usually if they handle it the right way and there's a good flow, we're okay with it. And it, I, I don't. I can't even remember the last time where a guy did it, a multiple or right. a second time. So uh, they've grasped it. They've taken took taken ownership of it, and I think that's why offensively they've gotten a lot better. Uh, I'm, the, curi- I'm curious as to how those negotiations went in terms of what we agree on is a good shot or not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I know. I know. Let, let me answer. What he said is a good <laughs> shot is a good shot. That's the agreement. Well, no, Curtis, you know that as a player in college, you get equal say in everything that happens <laughs> as course. the coaches do. And that's the best part about coaching college right now is there's a equal say. So we asked them what they wanted to do, and we found a middle ground. A middle ground We're, that leans one way. That's this okay. Is, I like this it. Is, this is such fantasy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> We're not going to continue this. Uh, a guy who the Rebels will need in the final three games and whatever in the postseason through the Mount West Conference Tournament and beyond is Donovan Williams. And Donovan has come back off the injury. He was playing so great before the injury. He has come back off the injury and, and frankly, I think, has been a little bit, little bit gun-shy because that knee, you know, it, it's a little scary for a guy who's had knee problems before. To, you know, to have a little tweak like that and then, and then to have to go hard. But he had a play against Reno, we'll hear it now, where he kind of let it go on that reverse layup. Bryce Hamilton quickly front court. Bryce underneath to Williams. Williams' reverse layup is good. And, and Donovan getting through and showing that athleticism. How close do you think he is to kind of just you know, letting himself play freely? Yeah, it'd be hard to say. I think it's one of those situations where he, he's, I think he's a little frustrated um, because he, he can't just go play completely free like he was. There is still that, in the back of his mind, uh, it, it, there's just, it's just he's not able to just completely uh, forget about it. And it's unfortunate because he was having such a great stretch. Uh, we were continuing to get better. But, uh, I mean, the fact that he's still out here, or he's out playing, it shows you how much he wants to be out there with his guys and a part of it. Um, it's just, you know, you, you feel for him because you just you just wish he was 100% um, because he's, he deserves it. He, you know, he came here for an opportunity to be more of a focal point on the scouting report for opponents, and, and he had done that, and he had worked like crazy to get there. Uh, he had grown up unbelievable amounts in the, in the few months we had been together. And uh, so to kind of see the setback, it's unfortunate, but he's doing what he can to help the team win. So, uh, you know, it kind of is what it is. Is it kind of up to him at this point? It is, but I think you know. I think it. He ha, he won't tell me, but I do. I do think it bothers him a little bit. I don't think he's fully comfortable and confident on it. So uh, that just kind of changes certain situations where he might be able to make a play or might be able to make an impact defensively, and he just doesn't fully have that confidence to push or, or change direction like he uh, like he was before he got hurt. And uh, it's too bad because we we want to be out there. He's he's dynamic. He can guard a lot of people, and uh, we're just hope, looking forward to the day when he can he truly feel good. 
Steve, feel, Steve's I, here now. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he's, he's going 100% on defense. I mean, I, you, you know, you throw him out there, and sometimes he's the four. And when you're the four against Reno, against double big. So, I, I mean, I think physically on defense, he's trying. You know, at 180 pounds going against guys sometimes, in Roddy's case, giving up, you know, a listed 72 pounds. Well, no question. He's going as hard as he can. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And it, it, it's greatly appreciated, but you can just kind of still see after being with him every day that there's just a – uh, there's just uh, every now and again there's just a slight hesitancy and and uh but yeah i mean he goes from you know roddy stevens who are about a foot difference and then now he's got washington for a little bit and then he's guarding coleman and Sherfield. so um he's a swiss army knife of defenses that that's that's without a doubt and uh his versatility and able, ability to guard a lot of people i think are what uh, have kind of allowed us to frustrate people you go from vic to royce then you got donovan and david um, you can just throw a lot of different looks at people. Yeah, I'm with Steve on this one. I don't know if it's, for me, I don't see it like as a physical thing in terms of what's holding him back. I think it's kind of almost a, a, a personal mental thing in terms of he was playing so well and is not quite back to there yet um, because you can tell he's frustrated by it. Um, but I can only imagine when you're playing so good, he had 17 points against that first game at Reno, yeah. then misses some games kind of in and out and just can't find his rhythm back. But also at the same time, I'm sure there's got to be a component of not wanting to be over-aggressive and kind of mess with the flow of what's going on. Um, but, no, I think once we, do get, once we do get Donovan reinserted and feeling really good about what he's doing, I think, the, I mean, the, the, the ceiling for this team is, is amazing because we still haven't even seen it fully put together yet. He, he definitely looked explosive on offense on the one play where he went across the lane and then tried. I don't know how <laughs> to describe it, but I'm like, I don't know how many guys could even try that, kind of, kind of going by the rim and then trying to finish it up with a right. He was close. He was close. Close only counts in horseshoes. It was, and it was close. Not, does close not work with coaches? Yeah. Hey, coach, I was close. I, I, I'm not sure Kevin no. has the contortionist play in there. No, no. Close. Uh, we have a, a saying that we say, uh, you know, my bad gets you beat. And uh, <laughs> that, that would probably fall along uh, those lines. But, no, it was a good play. I do think he can actually make that more times than not. Um, but, again, going back to how many – he just hasn't had a lot of reps at that, a lot of opportunities to do that lately. So, uh but it was good to see him get out there and get back in the flow uh, in the Reno game for sure. All right, so we've, uh, we've gotten through the first half at Reno. It was 26-23 Reno. It was a, a, a physical, defensive first half. Rebels, as, as Kevin put it, kind of a little bit stagnant offensively. We'll take a break, come back. We'll talk about what, if anything, was said at halftime to change things up and then uh, get to the Bryce Hamilton, Mike Nuga, et cetera show in the second half of the Reno game. Uh, when the Rebels took control. Fans remember the Finley Chevrolet located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership. Frankly, they're customer-driven. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Back here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, John Curtis, Steve, and head coach Kevin Kruger talking runner Rebel basketball, talking about the Reno game, the win and the sweep over Reno, and then uh, Boise coming up on Saturday night at the Thomas and Mac. All right, Coach, so uh, you're down 26-23. You're not happy with the offense. Defense, as, as you told Steve in the halftime interview, playing great and kind of keeping you in the game. Uh, what was said? What was done? Anything out of the ordinary at halftime? Actually, funny, you said, we talked about how out of the ordinary that half, half felt offensively and that it wasn't There's something no flow, that we had yeah. recognized. You know, we didn't. We, that that was kind of like the you know, Jan, or it's not December you, it's Rebels, me. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, and and uh, but they recognized it. They talked. We we spent a lot of time at you know more toward half court, 
and we need to get more toward the baseline and more attacking toward the rim and uh and I, but I thought I think a lot of that was because of, of Coleman and, and Blackshear and the way they were guarding and they were doing a really good job of extending the, the ball away from the hoop and they were just making it harder for us to score. And but I thought in the second half we had a lot better movement. We had, the ball was getting from side to side. We were getting mil, uh, multiple driving kick opportunities. Um, and then of course you know Bryce woke up a little bit. Just a little. He had nine points in the first half and and it, it seemed like he had three. And uh, and after Baker got off to that really hot start for Reno, and he's he when he gets moving the way he wants to and catches where he wants to, he's tough because he's so big and he's pretty skilled with the ball in his hands. But after he had scored, I think I think he scored nine points fairly early in that in second half and gave Reno a, a seven point lead. Rebels came back in the game, and as you mentioned, Bryce at that point uh, had woken up. Jordan comes down the left side, stops out to Hamilton. Bryce will rise up and shoot a three and. Bryce knocks it down, and the Rebels have a four-point lead. That three gave the Rebels that four-point lead and kind of started them on the, the sort of uh, momentum toward building the lead and, and getting the win. And, and any time Bryce starts to knock down shots, it has to give the team just an unbelievable lift. Yeah, I mean, it, we, it's been no secret. You know, we've asked, we asked Bryce to score. We try to put him in advantage situations. And, you know, when the ball gets to him and he has an advantage, we expect him to make a play. And... He's unique. He, he's got a gift of a, and an ability not only to, to create, uh, but to create for himself, which a lot of guys can't do in college. It's, it's very tough to do to create your own shot as well as he does. So um, Jordan, you know, Webb does a really good job of it as well, of, of, you know, kind of driving a gap, kicking, and just getting the defense and moving a little bit. And then by the time after it's gone two sides, three sides, that Bryce catches it and his defender's moving either direction, uh, we're going to take that 10 out of 10 times. And, and it certainly worked. And, and Steve, we, we talked about it a little bit. The, the defense just kind of wore Reno down. Sherfeld was getting tired. Curtis, you talked about how tired he looked and how tired some of the other guys on, on the team looked. And, and that defensive pressure and the constant pressure on, on what they were trying to do just kind of took them out of their game in the second half. Coach, because you and I talked about this after the game about the, the effect it can have on an entire defense trying to chase Bryce around. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, we talked about it after the game. I think it's, uh, it can be exhausting. And, you know, defense is it's not easy. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't very good at it. Kurt had his moments. But, like, <laughs> when you don't know where the guy's going and you have to change directions that many times, I mean, changing directions is really hard. That's why we try to get the ball side to side so that you can get – defense is moving one direction and then have to just change on the fly and, and, and full sprint. And when you've got to do that for extended periods of time, it can be really tough. Well, the other interesting thing is the reaction from lots of, lots of different areas when Bryce makes one of those crazy shots, right? When, you know, it's, or it's the end of the shot clock. Because, one, you hear Curtis on the broadcast, like, almost like, oh, my God. Yeah, I told you. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's fun to see us win. It's fun to see Bryce get hot like he is. Yeah. So, yeah. Second, second I, I think it's deflating for the opponent. You know, when you work that hard and then someone rains a three-pointer from 23 feet and you know, rises above someone, that's a backbreaker mentally. It is. And, uh, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, what shots are we okay with? And, and we talk a lot about that. And when somebody hits one, you have to understand in, the numbers and play the numbers. You can't hang your head. But, you know, obviously a lot of the game is layups and threes now. So when a guy is, is making threes at 40% and even shooting them well off the dribble, it's a big, big difference than a guy making a very tough 
you know, 12 footer in traffic or over a hand, because if we guard it right, we don't mind guys taking 15, 12 footers. But if a guy is consistently knocking down end of shot clock off the dribble threes, uh, you know, at some point you, you are, you're just kind of like, what do you, what do you want me to do? And then there's the other reaction. And on the road, it's the crowd because they were talking, I was right in front of the student section and they had a good student section. They were talking a lot of trash and they were going at Bryce. And after a couple of those makes, they were like, okay, we, like, I, we don't have anything to say. And this is the second time on the road, guys, that I, that I heard it when it happened at CSU when Bryce was on fire. It's the second time where he made a shot. I think it was the top of the three, or top of the key three, where you actually heard, ooh, from, from the road crowd. Like, oh, my God. Are We're you watching sure that wasn't really cool. your headphones? <laughs> no, no, it was, I, could, I could hear it multiple spots in the arena. Like, the crowd was like, oh, boy. Well, it, I was I was impressed because remember in the second half during that run when Bryce was on you know really heating up he scored twenty seven points in, in or pardon me scored nineteen points in the second half but uh, he had an air ball from the right side and and it was I mean it was so uncharacteristic we all kind of went what what was that and the crowd got on him and the what was it either the next possession or the possession right after that he came down he knocked down a three and he shut them all up again what's wrong with air balls John um, <laughs> well. You know, we, we don't really have time for that, but I know. Oh. I shot plenty of air balls. I, I, and and, the, the, and well, it never stopped you, but that was good. No, of course not, because um, I had that relationship with the coach in terms of what was a good shot, bad shot. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, no, Clay Thompson actually came out and said he's never going to stop shooting. He says because he works so hard at it, he loves it so much, that he's going to continue to shoot even if he has bad shots or, takes, or misses and doesn't have a good shooting night. I think that's what Bryce is on right now. He's working so hard at it. He's putting the time and the effort in, and his shooting has improved and continued to, to remain steady. Um, so, yeah, even if he shoots an air ball, shoot it again, Bryce, because I want to ooh and off. And I actually kind of wondered about it as the game was going on, because usually when you shoot an air ball, the next time you touch it, what do you hear? Air you ball, hear the, air ball. You air hear ball. the chant. The next time after you hear it, you touch the ball, you hear it again, and it stays with you. And I, about five minutes after it, I actually wondered to myself in the game, like, they had stopped doing it. Yeah. But I almost think to, to Steve's point, they, they had forgotten well, yeah, because the only he was way to on get a, such a good role. The only way to get him to stop is to shoot the next one and make it, or just don't shoot an air ball. Right? Which is what he, which is exactly what he did. He knocked it down; it didn't touch the rim, and uh, and, it, and he was off to the races. Now, a guy who did hear it from the crowd all night, and and in a critical situation, not so much uh, because I mean Reno had had kind of crept closer. It wasn't a, it wasn't a dire situation, but it was a point in the game, late in the game where the Rebels had an opportunity to kind of hammer that final nail in. And, and the guy who had been missing the nail all night finally got one to go. Nuga stops. Out to McCabe. Open for a three. George's three is good. He finally hit one, and, and his reaction was priceless. And, and first he said something to the crowd. Then he looked straight up and said something. And then he said something to his teammates. And I, I think everybody was pretty relieved and happy for him. Yeah, I mean, Jordan is another guy. He's... He works out in the morning before practice. He practices. He stays after and shoots. Uh, you know, if he's in rhythm, we want him to shoot it. It, it adds another weapon when he's confident and, and playing well. And then he, you know, he hit another, you know, pull-up jumper a minute later to kind of to, to truly seal it or kind of push it even farther away. Yeah, made it twelve. Yep. But uh, you know, yeah, I think uh, you know, Jordan. He's going to keep keep working at it. He's going to keep getting better at it. But uh, again, with Jordan. 
You know, he can be one for seven, two for seven, whatever he ends up. I mean, he's fourth in the country right now in assist to turnover ratio. He's taking care of the ball. He's leading the team. He's getting it to where it needs to be. He's getting our spacing where it needs to be because guys like Bryce don't do what guys like Bryce do if everybody's standing next to each other. So uh, he's playing about as well of a kind of quarterback or field manager game as you can play right now. Of course, uh, the shooting, I think, will just come with it. Is it to the point where with him kind of the way it was? I mean, you and, I, and your dad obviously had a, had a special relationship, but kind of the way it was with Curtis and your dad or with, with Oscar um, in terms of having that, that additional, I won't say coach, but, but sort of a, a, a little offset of you on the court as well? No question, because I think, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities even to the, the, the basketball relationship that my dad and I had because when I would do something stupid – I would take kind of a little bit of a circular route <laughs> to the bench on my way out, and I've noticed when Jordan does something stupid and he's coming out, he just kind of goes around that way, and I have to say it a little bit louder. But, no, he, he knows exactly we're on the same page. Um, you know, if we call something out, he's quick to ask a question even for a teammate uh, and just kind of to make sure that he explain it. Because when we, we challenge him, when we get out of a timeout, out of a huddle, and we're about to run a play from the board, we challenge the guys to go over it with each other, and he's the first one to kind of get everybody back and uh, kind of together, explain what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan's a high IQ guy. He's a basketball junkie, so um, we all kind of speak the same language, and, and I think uh, it, it's just been fun. And, and, I mean, obviously this is an assumption, but assuming Jordan comes back for his final year of eligibility next year, you have this year's foundation to build on uh, for him to help lead the team next year. Well, you know, we talked about the the middle ground of shot selection between the coaches and players, and what better to ha- uh, what could there be for us as a staff, uh, you know, in year two of our program to have the point guard, the guy who didn't turn it over, uh, explaining to the new guys, reiterating with the guys who are coming back of what we consider a good shot. So all of those summer workouts, all of the summer pickup, uh, all of the stuff the guys work on on their own, you know, you've got an older veteran you know, telling them, eh, coaches aren't going to like that. Like, this is how, you know, this is what they're going to look for. And that kind of stuff does happen. And even if it's jokingly, you know, it at least puts that, that thought in the mind of the guy, the new guys. And uh, the pickup games, as you know, Curtis, will be better. They'll be more about what we're trying to achieve at UNLV. And, and again, that position, being able to do that, it, it'll be huge. One more thing on Bryce. Because we, we have one more highlight on well, Bryce I want to play. Well, uh, good, are you good? Uh, well, the, you know, everybody saw, and, and, and yeah. they're going to turn it into an NFT. I don't know what. The, the crossover, step back, uh, James Harden on steroids. Not an NFT, though, I don't think. No, I, I, I don't, don't think. Uh, I don't, whatever. They said they would. A but, gif? A meme? Uh, I don't know. But um, just, a, just oh. a, a, an amazing move right in front what? of us for the three. I'm talking about this play, which is when he split the Twin Towers. Bryce comes down the right side. Tice all the way under, lays it up and in as he split the two seven-footers, the Twin Towers, and Bryce went right between them. The Rebels lead 57-47, timeout Reno. And, and what I didn't say there was that he switched hands in midair and went to the right hand to lay it in. It was one of the best plays I, I've seen him make in his UNLV career. Now I was going to say, I don't think you could see it because he was between two giant dudes. I, mean, it, it was, I was right underneath the basket. It was an amazing shot. And he, he's getting so good at... You can see he kind of slows down the dribble a little bit and waits for some space, and then the explosion just catches the defense 
off guard. When that, he, that, that was amazing. When he made that play from where you were standing, did you have an appreciate? I mean, obviously you knew there were two seven-footers there. I knew there were two seven-footers. What we preach to Bryce all the time and all our guys is two feet. Don't go in there off one foot. It, it looks weak. You're not gonna, if you, even if you get fouled, you're not going to get it called. Refs don't want to stop it for that type of play anyway. So go in there strong, two feet, uh, pump fake, pivot if you need to. But, uh, no, I, I did not appreciate it because I couldn't really see what had happened. I just knew he made a strong play. Uh, it wasn't until on the plane watching the game that I had to rewind it because it kind of verify what I had just seen. But, yeah, like, like Steve said, he kind of he, – he's just got a great feel right now when, it, when he's got an advantage. But Bryce is incredibly athletic and incredibly powerful. And I think that was just a great example because he elevated up, had time to switch hands – and uh, just finish strong off two feet. It, it was a tremendous play, and it would kind of put the, the, the cherry on the, on the top of, of a great Rebel win and the sweep of Reno. Uh, we're going to take a break. we got Boise and Wyoming to talk about a little bit and talk about uh, this, this team and this program at its state and the community and, and uh, the excitement that's starting to build. We'll talk about that when we come back. I want to remind you that Mr. Fry's Man is new to Las Vegas and serving up gourmet fries with endless combinations of meats and sauces. Rebel fans, make sure to uh, swing by for that late-night craving or deli- delicious lunch located on Flamingo between Maryland and Cambridge. Check them out at MrFriesMan.com. Back with more Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, Kevin Kruger Radio Show, our final segment, Runner Rebels and Boise State on Saturday night at the Thomas and Mac. Rebels uh, with a rematch against the team leading the Mountain West Conference. I think they're the most balanced, most complete team in the conference. The one thing they don't really have is depth. And coaches, you game plan for Boise, and you played uh, a, a close six-point game up against them that was very physical up in Boise a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, they played eight, but it's it's really it's really seven guys that they play. Is there something you can do to kind of leverage that a little bit? The depth that you have when you're healthy. I think uh, yeah, we've got to we've got to move it offensively. Um, we've got to get good cutting. We've got to get good spacing. Um, we've just got to keep them on the move. I think. Uh, they're the most physical team. They're the biggest team. Uh, they're one of the best defensive teams. But uh, I think we, you, you've got to get teams like that move and get them changing directions and uh, it, and just kind of be stubborn and do what you can to get a good shot. And uh, kind of, but then defensively is is where the biggest concern is, just because their size, uh, their physicality. Um, we we were just way way too uh, played with our hands way too much up there. And just fouled way too much, and and that uh, that uh, that's going to be the biggest question mark going into the game yeah. Saturday. Just to remind fans, that was the game where the free throw discrepancy was twenty nine to seven, and yet it, it that that was kind of accurate given the way the Rebels played defense. It was we 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 used our hands too much. We didn't beat them to spots. We we tried to make it a kind of a backyard like your garden a buddy type of game in the post, and that's just not the way it is. And. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, the refs told us. We, they called it early. They called it consistent throughout the game. We just never really adjusted. And uh, But that's been a focal point. Uh, the guys now experiencing that because they po- they can post it usually four of the five positions on the floor, which makes them unique. And uh, But uh, now having seen it, um, they've got a little something to base the prep on uh, for these two days going into the game. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys do from a defensive matchup standpoint. And uh, while I was coming in, I heard you talking about you know, Vic, and we've talked a lot about his versatility, and he's the kind of guy I'd, I'd want to, you know, sick him on Armouche, but then also at times, you know what, Kijab. 
Because Kijabs, he's a fascinating player, and he, you know, he got uh, Royce late in the game, kind of with a head throw, and you know, whatever. Um, but he, he's a tough cover at 230 pounds because he can post, but he can also move and draw fouls. Yeah, I think it, over the last couple of years, I just watching from afar, he's been about as impressive as, in terms of his growth as anybody. Again, watching from afar in the conference, but yeah, with Vic, his versatility is what makes him great. He can he'll compete and, and fight and clog and shaver, and the next play he'll compete and fighting claw against Armas. So um, having him out there, you know, having some weeks uh, of reps under his belt, um, Royce again, David, uh, you know, you just like to throw a lot of different looks at different guys, but uh, they're really good. They got, and again, they got four guys that are comfortable in the post at on the floor at almost all times, sometimes five guys. And, uh, uh, you know, that just, that makes it difficult. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to try to give them different looks and surprise them when we can. You know, Curtis, one of the things you and I have talked about that we have been so impressed with is the way and, and how well this Run and Rebel team has been prepared for each and every conference game they have played this year. I, I think your, your staff has done an amazing job at, at, at scouting and putting a game plan together. And we've seen it the last you know, three, four games, just following that game plan, putting it into place, and it's worked out very, very well. No, I think you got to give credit, obviously, to, to Coach Buck, to, to Uncle Hart, uh, and to Coach Brandon Chappelle. Um, they're making sure that their players are prepared. And when Coach Hartman told us last week that they didn't do a paper uh, scout and told the guys that you kind of take charge of it, make sure you guys are prepared, that's a little scary from that standpoint. Um, but, again, I think it goes to show the growth of the team taking ownership, like uh, Coach Kruger said here, because if they want it and they own it, they're going to be more successful, more willing to commit to it. Um, and at the end of the day, even though you took a jab at me about my defense – you got to give credit to Coach Kruger for assembling that staff um, because, again, it, it starts at the top, and, and they're kind of following his mission and his belief, and we're seeing it come to fruition. Um, but, again, we're, we're still a long way from, from where we're going to end up. Uh, but you got to be pleased with how the boys are playing as of right now. No question. I think it's, it's a home run staff. I mean, it, it's people that we all we spend time at each other's houses. We you know, wouldn't even bat an eye at watching my kids. So, uh you know, just, just great people to be around, and uh, uh, we're excited about uh, the, the future with, with those guys and, and uh, being part of Run Rebel Basketball. And it's one of the things that's going to make UNLV an attractive program as you look to bring in new guys, whether it's re- freshman recruits or through the portal, is that idea of family and the idea that this truly is a family. And, and we're, 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 we're back to that, and I, it, it's so wonderful to be a part of. Yeah, I think, you know, we try to... You know, it should be fun. It should still be fun, and that means for the coaches as well. I mean, uh, Coach Hartman making the decision to come to, to UNLV out to the desert with a number of options that he had, I think was a great uh, kind of vote of confidence from guys even from the Big 12. You know, that this is, this is not, you know, it may not be the Big 12. We may not be on ESPN every single night, but we compete. This is a great place where with a great community, great city, where we're going to try to win championships just like uh, everybody else does. It's just we're just a little farther out west. And you're starting to see that and feel that at the Thomas and Mac, and I know you want to see it for the blackout on Saturday evening against Boise. Without question. I think, uh, you know, if we could take a picture from the first game and take a picture from the Colorado State game and hopefully take a picture this Saturday of the Boise game and show the difference, I think that that would mean the world to our guys because they, they've earned it. They, they've, they've done everything they can for UNLV basketball. And to show them the, the proof that, that they're being cheered 
cheered on and rooted for, I think would mean the world to him. So we, we need a good crowd Saturday. Saturday night, 7 o'clock against Boise. Curtis, I, and Steve will have all the action starting at 6.30 with Runner Rebel Warm-Up. Thank you for coming out. Thanks to Ari. Thanks to Triv. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you Saturday from the Thomas Mac. Have a good evening, everybody. Gaming. Be connected. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Finlay Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.